Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch the Show, hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. David has got Samuel as his middle name. That's a fun fact for, for everybody. Another fun fact is that David and I watched 45 movies each in the month mm. of March. Um, we're going to go ahead and blame that right now on weather, although it's very likely that we would have done it even if it was sunny and 75, as that one country song goes. But we're going to be talking about the best movies that we saw in March. Uh, we may be going slightly off what our actual list would be to talk about some movies that we haven't had the chance to discuss on this podcast yet. Um, but we're going to be recapping our March watches. And I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll even talk about the worst thing that we saw in March because you know we love to we love to complain Spicy. about stuff. Anybody that knows us knows that we love to complain. So yeah. all that's coming up, so stick around. Alright, we're not gonna dilly-dally and I'm not gonna ask you where the third month of the year ranks in terms of all the months of the year. That's a that's our end of the year podcast idea, ranking all the months. So we'll we'll save that one for, for December. But Thanks. David, let's just hop into it. First, you you said this interesting idea right before we started the podcast to give our true top three from March that no matter how much we talked about it, so even if we dedicated an entire episode to this movie, giving our true top three and then the top three that we selected to talk about. The question I have is, are those different for you? Uh, they will be, yeah. I know for a fact just because of my number one that I watched We've definitely talked about, uh, and I honestly, we we may have to kind of just you know go through this a little bit because there's one that I don't know if we've talked about, so we'll, we'll have to get that out in the air and decide if we've discussed it. Okay, so give me your give me your top three then. Just are, is this first watches or is this any movie that you laid eyes on during the month of March? Any movie I watched, just in, in general, okay. my okay. Um, my favorite three, and I'm writing my third one down now as we talk. So it, it was tough. I. I watched eight movies this month that I gave four and a half stars. Fourteen movies that I gave four stars and one five star movie. So wow, I was feeling it. Honestly, let's do it. Maybe recency bias, but I think the last awards ceremony would prove that it's not just me. Okay, right. From my 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 top three, uh, number three, I have everything everywhere all at once. Two, I have prisoners, and number one, I have the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, David, you like that film? I'm shocked. I'm I'm I utterly do. bamboozled. I didn't realize you did. I, I have I have cooled off a little bit, you know, that I did freshman and sophomore year of college, but I still very much think it's a five star movie, yes. Yeah. So for those of you that didn't know David when he was a freshman or sophomore in college, um, we would regularly have conversations about movies, and I would say that ninety five percent of those conversations, David would find a way to bring up the dark Knight, I mean, we could be like, what's your favorite Pixar movie? And they would be like, Pixar, you know, what's great about Pixar is incredible. Superheroes are in the Incredibles. You know, what else is a superhero movie? The dark Knight. Can we talk about the Joker, please? And it'd be like, David, how, how did you even do that? That was impressive. Um, Didn't I so, bet you five bucks freshman year? I wouldn't talk about dark Knight for a day and like 17 uh, yep. minutes in, I brought it up yep. on accident. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that was yeah. I made five dollars that day, which which went towards uh towards a half price appetizer at Applebee's. So that was, was a good time. 
it was a good yeah. time for me. Um, yeah. What about the, you? The Dark Knight what, what's, is fantastic. Yeah. What's your top three? Just you know, flat out in general, so, rewatchable, so, all that. So I'm actually gonna go with um, I, my actual top three right here. Two of the movies that I have in my top three for right now would likely be there anyway. But for, to give you three different movies. Um, third place would be John Wick 4. We, we talked about mm-hmm. it at length. That was um, the most fun I've had in theaters this year. Easy. Um, loved it. Uh, two would probably be... Um, I think Evil Dead 2. Uh, so I watched Evil Dead 2, the sequel to Sam Raimi's indie horror film. And it was honestly so much fun. It's not scary at all, um, but it's a hilarious horror movie that's got some really inventive camera work in it and just Mm -hmm. really improves upon the original. And then my my number one is a film I've already talked about would be Z, um, which Mm -hmm. is the the anti-fascist movie that I spoke about um, a couple couple episodes ago. So that would probably be my top three. I I didn't watch I didn't rewatch a lot of movies. in in March, I rewatched all the screams. So I guess you could say scream. Maybe actually, you know what? Scratch that. The Evil Dead Two, Ooh, yeah, gets pushed back, and it, we're adding Scream to the list because I I love me some Scream. I love all the Scream movies, even Three. It's bad, but it's still watchable. Um, and What's I thought your, Six um, was great. Did you give Scream a perfect five, or is it where do you have that ranked? It's a four and Rated, a half. Sorry, okay, um, that's where I had that. I, I think it's so close to being a five and I might just be real picky here, but there are a couple of scenes where I'm like, Hmm, that's real awkward. And like the way that ghost face is moving or something, like some of it just looks really dumb. Um, I, the, the one I'm thinking of in particular is the, the confrontation scene in the hallway of the school. Um, whenever Sydney is, is talking to Billy um, and Billy is like, what? Why don't? Why do you think I'm the killer? You ever since your mom died, you won't even touch me. Um, and then she like runs away, upset. But the way that she runs away is one of the funniest things ever. Like best unintentional comedy moments in a movie I've ever seen. And I yeah. just can't. I like. I don't. Can it be a perfect five stars if I like am laughing out loud at something they didn't want me to laugh at? I don't know. But yeah, Scream is fantastic. I also, I also feel like it's tough. Most of my four and a half star movies, not most, I feel like I don't necessarily know why it's not five star, but I just don't think it should be. It's a, you know what I mean? It's like, like a, it's, there's it's like something. a gut feeling. It's a yeah. gut feeling where you're like, ah, yeah, there's is no, that's not good enough to be five stars. Like, yeah, because normally, which is maybe a curse of Letterbox now, is when I finish a five star movie, which I, I have had a couple, um, quite a few actually since I started on the app, I instantly know. I, and there's actually normally a moment in the movie when I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, oh, so this is going to be one of the 50 greatest films I've ever seen in my life. Like instantly. Mm. <clears throat> there will be so, blood. My rewatch this last week. Right. Exactly. Was not was I not correct when I told bro, you, you got to rewatch that bad boy because I guarantee you're going to win. When Daniel Day-Lewis is like, I've abandoned my child. I was like, yeah, this is getting a perfect five star. <laughs> It's I was so like, yeah. good. Every part of that movie is so good. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, what did we do to deserve him? I don't know. But supposedly he's already working on his next film, which I'm excited about. So, And for those who Shout don't out. know, Nathan obviously encouraged me to rewatch it and said, I guarantee you it'll be in your top 10 after you rewatch. 
can confirm it is sitting at eight or nine right now. I can't remember where, but it is there. It has made it. Uh, Vegas should put lines on that because uh, I would have made some money. Um, Come on. Actually, probably not because it would have been minus odds, but it's okay. All right, David. Yeah, uh, before we before we jump into our actual best list, uh, do you have a worst movie you saw on March queued up? <laughs> um, actually, I think we already me? talked about it. The Chronicles okay, of Riddick. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, that movie's terrible. Let's remember. Let's my review good. was death by teacup, more like death by watching this movie. It's and, so bad. Yeah, yeah. It's so. It's, you want me to, it's we already talked gonna, about that. Do you want me to bring something else up or no? Yeah. What here? I'll say mine, and why don't you look for look for another okay. one that you rated low? Uh, mine. Guys, uh, it's because I saw this movie all over TikTok that I decided to watch it. Uh, the Bradley Cooper chef film Burnt, which is a, a movie about a Michelin star chef who falls out of, um, just falls out of the industry practically because of drugs and all this other stuff, and then he um, tries to come back and and run this um, hotel restaurant and get a get his final Michelin star and uh london um and it's supposed to be one of those movies where the like protagonist is this like jerk but he's likable and you're like ah this is this is great like bradley cooper's such a such an ass but i love rooting from no yeah no there's zero redeeming qualities about this character it's the way that they talk about food it's so everything is it feels so pretentious um and the Dialogue doesn't even make sense. Like at one point, um, there is a guy is trying to explain how good Bradley Cooper's chef is, and he's like, he's like, he's like Luke Skywalker. Uh, getting one Michelin star is like being Luke Skywalker, and then getting a second one is like being whoever Alec Guinness played. I'm sorry if you know the original actor's name for Obi Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars trilogy, you know who Obi Wan Kenobi is. Are we are we doing this really? And That's it's just cringe. jokes like that. It's one of those movies that relies heavily on like, oh my God, they just threw a person like I recognize right in there. Like, oh wow, Alicia Vikander just shows up halfway through and there's Matthew Reese and Lily James and oh my God, Uma Thurman's in this movie for like four seconds. Wait, is um, Harry's mom in that? Harry Potter's Harry's, mom's in this movie? I, I don't I don't I'm, remember. No. You said Lily, oh, sorry. Okay, I'm, you're the worst um it's no that's another actor but it's so it's so not good and it this movie has like 30 second stretches that are somewhat entertaining and that's what you see on tiktok so you're like wow maybe this movie's great it's not it's not good it's really not good it's very basic it's very boring um and the protagonist who's supposed to be likable in the end have this redemption arc is not likable at all so yeah that's rough but now you know now you know now I know. I um I, I'm deciding between what movies to choose. I'm leaning towards the 2023 movie I watched just because it's new, um, and I think I'm gonna do that. Uh, I'm gonna my 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 worst watch in March. I'm gonna say is 65. Uh, mm. j- came out. It, I I watched it March 16th, but I think it came out like a couple days before that. Um, yep, 65 starring Adam Driver. Um. Directed by Scott Breck and Brian Woods. Scott Beck, sorry. You know, this, these are tough because it wasn't like a bad movie. 
you know, but couple a couple points the graphics weren't on par and the most surprising part of this is like i think there were two t-rex like fight scenes in this entire movie and like you you know you show up you're like oh bet dinosaurs and adam driver this is gonna be hype and we got most of it was like a, a adventure between him and this surviving you know young passenger trying to get mm-hmm. from it's like an after earth plot like trying to get from the other sh- to the other shipwreck where they have the emergency escape you pod see it's there's no way this movie's good because you compared it to after earth and that's that's ne- you don't want to be in the same sentence as after earth there's probably other movies but you know they, they crash and they splits and they're trying to get to the other crash site but um yeah i'm just like i give me more dinosaurs that's why i showed up and honestly i don't i feel like the dinosaurs the scenes that we did get with the dinosaurs were actually pretty good. Like it looked, looked pretty good, but that, and then honestly, like at the end, I was just kind of like, Oh, it's over. Oh, that's it. You know? So I was kind of like disappointed almost of like wanting more. And, um, yeah, it, it, you know, I'm I'm not going to say don't ever watch this, but I don't know if I'd pay for it, you know? And so just approach it cautiously. Yeah. You, um, you, I think, helpfully, I mean, you helped me. You scared me away from paying for this. I was ready to drop 15 bucks on it, which is, look, I have $15 to spend. It's fine. But when you said it was boring, it was when I was like, okay. Because if you didn't like it, you didn't think the story worked, but it was still kind of entertaining, then, that, then that's fine. But when you said they made an Adam Driver, like, time travel, whatever the heck this movie is, fighting dinosaurs, and that movie is boring, that's, how that's like, unforgivable. How do you do that? How, like, just throw in an extra t-rex scene like i don't i don't know there's no excuse yeah so i don't know if it was like a budget wise like obviously it's me expensive to get another special effects dinosaur in there but like should that not be the priority i don't know yeah yeah and this got bad reviews and i was like "Eh, i don't know if i want to spend money on it and then you said it was boring and i thought nope i I better i better just stay home and i did yeah so thanks for the heads up there david uh all right Let's get into some good movies, though. Let's let's talk about some movies we enjoyed. Um, all of mine are first watches, uh, so I, you know, do with that what you will. Um, I, I had a question. A good month. I had a question, but I think I will av- about a movie about us talking about it. But it was a rewatch, so I may just take put that out. I'll just pick only first watches just to help myself because I mean, you can do that. Uh, yeah, it does. It doesn't really. It's not really required. But I was trying to, you know, talk about stuff I hadn't talked about. So I know that these yeah. ones that I'd watch for the first time, I probably never mentioned on the pod before. The uh, question was David, pris- prisoners was the one I, I didn't know if we talked about that, but we may okay. have. Yeah, I don't Your are both of our love for Villeneuve is. Is a. Uh, it, it's apparent, I think, whenever we've had conversations, but I don't know if we've talked about prisoners specifically or just his filmography as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, while you're reshuffling, you want me to go ahead and go with my number three? Yeah. Okay. So, the third best first watch I had, um, which makes it sound like it's all this elongated, not that good a film, it is the movie Fallen Angels from Wong Kar Wai, which is just a classic narrative from him in which he tells two different stories going on simultaneously and hops back and forth between them. And there's multiple times in the movie where you're a little bit confused, but not really. Um, It is a crime story about a hitman who's trying to escape the lifestyle 
and uh, an eccentric mute, that's how the film describes him, who consistently breaks into just businesses to work at them after hours because it's what he enjoys. Um, but he falls in love with a depressed woman who is um, looking for her ex-boyfriend's new girl, essentially. Um, I, the story beats of this movie are good, but they don't they don't really matter to me a whole lot um, because Wong Kar Wai films are about style and they're about feeling. They're about the rain, you know, covering Hong Kong is his characters are riding on a motorcycle, smoking cigarettes, which may make it seem like these films are hollow and they're not. This movie is kind of a sequel to Chungking Express, but not really. Um, features a lot of the same actors. I, I just really, I just really love the vibe. I, I, I dug it instantly. It's, it's 98 minutes, so it's not that long, but like the first action set piece that happens with the hitman, I was like, oh my gosh, that's one of the coolest shootouts I've ever seen portrayed in film. Um, and, I don't even know what it's called, but he has that, the thing where it, it's it's like he turns on the astigmatism on the camera and all the lights like go blurry. The neon goes blurry as mm. he's like moving the camera quickly. I, I love when he does that in films. Uh, I really love Chunking Express. It's one of my 50 favorite films ever. And this, while not as good, is a really, really solid follow-up. So, mm. Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen this. I, I just actually recently watched in the mood for love and chunking express uh and then this as well as happy together in 2046 are movies i want to watch from this same director because yeah he just it seems like he recently especially just knows how to make a well i say recently i guess these are pretty old movies um, yeah but we but, recently discovered them because i didn't know yeah. who Wong car Wai was until like two years ago so yeah so I guess kind of in his prime, really put out some very high quality films. So, yeah, um, and I think that again, this is the same thing. This is uh, not a film in English, obviously. It's made in Hong Kong, um, and that scares people away a lot of the time. But I, I would, I would urge you to to not be scared because um, his films are great. Um, I had that barrier for a while. I've said this multiple times on this podcast. I, I do not stop yourself from watching a good movie just because you're going to have to read subtitles. Okay. I know a lot of people that just read subtitles anyway, because they can't hear that well. So <laughs> that's I, true. It's a good point. So please, please do not stop yourself because you're going to have to read and never. And I mean, ever watched a dub version of a film. Oh, if you yeah. can avoid it. Cause that yeah. always ruins the performances. Could you explain your review or that be a spoiler for those who are wanting to see it and haven't? Um, I mean, I can, I can explain my view. I'm just I, very I curious. <laughs> um, there is just a scene in this movie where the guy who is a mute just lights ice cream on fire and starts handing it out to people. And I just didn't know that was possible. I don't know what the wow. ice cream is made out of. I don't know what's going on, but he's literally just handing people flaming ice cream. And I was... I was just mesmerized. I just didn't understand how that worked. But for the longest time, and I don't really still know, I don't understand how fried ice cream works. In my brain, ice cream, cold, fried, hot, ice cream, melt if fried. But it's not when we get it. Yeah, I don't know. Right. See? See, I don't get it. So I didn't know you could light it on fire either. And maybe that's possible, you know? 
I don't know. But the fried portion is always warm. It's not like it's frozen and, and solid. It's hot. Yeah. See what I mean? David, can I confess another thing to you? Yes. I don't, I don't get how boats work. They're so heavy. How do aircraft carriers float? They're, they're so heavy. I don't, I don't get it. It covers a wide enough surface area, and it's so heavy that it that, can't float. Nope. It doesn't make sense. I don't How? I don't it's so many times. How does that? I sink whenever I try to float, but the, the, an aircraft carrier can float? That doesn't... I don't get it. You're not 200 so, tons. So I, you're, what you're saying is I need to bulk up first, and then I'll be able to yeah. float? Oh, okay. yeah, for sure. Okay. For well, sure. it's bulking season. I'll, I'll get on that. Thanks, David. Okay. All right. What's the, what's the third best movie you saw in March? I um need to ask if we watch this too, because if we have talked about this, then I'll talk about the other one. Did we talk about Dog Day Afternoon? No, no. You well, okay. I think I did previously. Go ahead. It's been a while. Yeah, talk about it. Dog Day Afternoon. Um, this is a Al Pacino starring movie, nineteen seventy five, directed by Sidney Lumet. Um, and, and yeah, it's kind of. I mean it. How are you not interested in this plot? It's a it's a bank robbery, right? It's a heist movie, uh, and heist those are entertaining. Films. Yeah, yeah. It's actually based on a true story, um, and yeah, two uh, brothers. It's been a while. Either brothers or very good friends uh, attempt a bank heist, um, which quickly, you know, turns into a hostage situation and uh, a very long standoff with police. And uh, it's yeah, it's a really Honestly, it's not how I expected it to end because you can have your theories of like, oh, it's a heist movie. We'll see how this ends. But then you get certain part in the movie and you're like, oh, maybe. Okay. You know, and then, so yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. I know it came out, you know, 45 years ago, but no, this is really good. Another just Al Pacino classic. Mm -hmm. Another, how did he not win an Oscar for this? Um, Mm -hmm. Just, just really, really good. Um, And just reading about it, even like stuff Al Pacino did that wasn't on scripts and you know which just doesn't surprise you if if you've you know know who he is as an actor but really really good um just the way he's able to capture my attention and um just bring out many emotions like whether it's anger or you know feeling sorry or making you laugh like he just is very good at kind of capturing my attention and bringing those emotions out so Mm -hmm. really liked it uh, and mm-hmm. I, I gave it a four and a half out of five. Um, really wasn't a difficult rating for me. I was like, yep, this is really good. So loved it. Yeah. This movie, um, is ahead of its time in, in, in a lot of, a lot of ways. I think first of all, it's commentary on media, um, and, and the role of media just in, in, you know, especially 24 hours news cycle, essentially, which is not a thing when this movie starts, but the lot of, a large portion of the plot centers around the heist becoming just an event um, and that this is now just, just kind of something that people are doing for entertainment. You know, it, it's a crime that has become entertainment. The other thing is just, um, it, well, PTSD, obviously. Um, and then LGBTQ issues, like it, it surprisingly progressive stance from a movie made in 1975, which is sometimes you will go back and watch a movie and you, go and you kind of you're kind of worried about the way that they're going to handle stuff like this but handle this really well and i would say up there this may be the movie where i felt that pacino's performance most emotionally resonated with me um 
which may just be a symptom of the Pacino movies that I really like. And in Heat, you're not like trying to really empathize with Al Pacino's character in a lot of ways, or or like Godfather or you know other movies like that, movie like The Irishman, for example. But Dog Day Afternoon, like he's a very sympathetic character, um, and he's just very effective. It's just like kind of a person who's just innocent and doesn't want to hurt anybody, um, even though he's committing this crime. It's it's just very yeah. effective. It's a very effective movie. David, question, did this movie make you cry? I'm trying to remember. I watched this. It, it, uh, I mean, obviously I didn't watch this long ago if we just are doing our watches on March, but I'm trying to remember my experience. I think I did... Because it kind of blows you away of like at first, like, oh yeah, he's robbing a bank. Um... Whatever his reason is, he's still robbing a bank. But then, like, right as you kind of learn more about why he's doing what he's doing, and he almost kind of gets desperate, and he's not, like, mm-hmm. imposing fear to impose fear, or he's not threatening just to threaten. Like, you can tell he's a desperate. I, that's what I mentioned, like, bringing emotions to it, because you're like, oh, wow. Like, I'm not justifying or saying what he's doing is okay, but that he's in a tough spot, you know? And you can tell that he's desperate and needs money and doesn't know what else to do. So, um, I don't know if I, I don't know if like I, I cried like tear coming out of the, eye cried, but I, you, you know, like kind of in the movie, sometimes like the chills hit, you know, down your arms mm-hmm. and you're like, Ooh, mm-hmm. I think that that, that hit a couple of times, uh, especially towards the end when that plot is revealed a little more. And so, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons I like it so much just cause man, it's really easy. It's not easy, but it's, you can commonly find a movie that starts really hot and starts really good and strong, but you know how a movie ends kind of makes the movie, you know, okay or, or really good. And you, we've seen a lot of movies that don't end maybe great or well, but I think Dog Day Afternoon, um, they started and ended and they knew where they were going with it. And uh, yeah, really, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as David said, it's it's also based on a true story. Uh, this is a classic. A lot of people have probably heard of it if they haven't seen it. Um, it, it is a heist film, but I don't want people to go in with the wrong expectations of like, this is Ocean's Eleven and you're going to get like the cuts. And then at the end, they're going to reveal how it was all carried out. It's not that kind of heist film. It is a heist film, yeah, but it's not, it's not an action packed one, but it's a great one. Yeah. Um, this one, it appeared in my top 50 and it's ranked 33 on my top 50 movies. So I, so I really liked it. It's got to be good. Um, all right. My number two. The second best movie I saw, um, which mm. honestly would have been the best movie had I not watched a five-star movie it, as well. Um, mm. 2022 film, which received one Oscar nomination for Paul Mescal. It's Charlotte Wells' directorial debut. It's After Sun, um, an independent film about, it's a very simple story, about a, a girl named Sophie that is on vacation with her father column um and it's clear that the parents are not together anymore um and and it also becomes clear as you watch the movie that column's not doing well um this is perhaps one of the most effective and maybe the most effective portrayal of depression i've ever seen in a film um because it's just very silent in the way that it dominates his actions um paul mescal is is transcendent in this. Uh, honestly, I think he should have won Best Actor. I think it was the best acting performance all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Frankie Curie Curio could have been nominated. Um, child actress, fantastic. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't get this movie for most of it. Like I understood the depression angle, um, but it, it's, it's a slow movie. It's essentially just a movie about them on vacation. And there's not a whole lot of huge dramatic things that happen. It's, it's a realistic portrayal of a vacation and, and what you do on vacation. And, um, and then, you know, the things start to unravel towards the last 30 minutes and, and you start to understand what's happening and there is one final scene, which is perhaps, not perhaps, it's the most effective film ending uh, I've seen in maybe five years. And it I'll spoil it a little bit, but you still can watch the film and understand what's going on. Uh, throughout, the, throughout the movie, there's, you see like cutaways to Paul Mescal's character dancing in a nightclub, um, which is all black around him, just him surrounded by some other people. You can't make out their faces and lights are flashing. And the adult version uh, of Sophie is there watching him um, kind of like as a bystander. And hmm. then at the end, they're intercut a scene of them dancing on vacation um, to that, uh, that interaction as well. So you start to understand what's going on. And in the background is an altered version of Queen and David Bowie's Under Pressure um, and culminates in this really emotional scene um, of them like dancing in joy and then dancing in pain in, in the next shot and they're intercut, interspliced. Mm. Um, I was bawling my eyes out during the scene when I was watching it, which wow. I cry during movies. Um, not regularly, like not often, but if a movie is emotional, I'll cry, but I haven't cried that hard watching a movie in a long time. Um, and it's just one of those, I, the story is simple and the message is simple is that you never really understand what your parents are going through. Um, mm. and, and I think that's, that's kind of powerful. So then I just had to like text my parents instantly and tell them that I love them. Um, mm. cause I, I knew that they were not awake whenever I had um, watched the movie. But yeah. yeah, it's just, I don't know. It was just really emotionally effective. And I've gone back and watched that scene multiple times again. And it hits almost the exact same every time emotionally. Mm. Um, I, it's just fantastic. I can't believe it's her first film ever. It's it's her first feature length film. It's in, astounding. Um, so I'm excited to see wow. what she does in the future. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, I'm looking 30, 33% of the ratings on Letterboxd are five-star ratings. Uh, over 120,000 have given it a perfect five. So I'm waiting for this to drop. Probably like on, it's probably going to come out on HBO. This feels like an HBO movie, um, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, I, it may, yeah, maybe. It may not. I, I don't know. I paid for it, um, and I would say that was worth it. Um hmm. Yeah, this is really, it was the indie darling, I think, of last year. Um, so, and, and, you know, sometimes those can't live up to the hype. And I'm not going to lie, about an hour in to this movie, I thought, all right, this is, this is pretty good, but what is everybody talking about? And then you get to the end and you go, oh, that's what they're talking about. So, yeah, that's cool. All right, David, no, what's I'm number for, two for you? Number two. So... Actually, this is going to be a second movie 
uh, in the 70s that I'm choosing, but uh, a George Roy Hill-directed movie, The Sting, uh, came out Ooh. in 1973. Uh, I I had a little bit of a, a streak there of watching Best Picture winners. Um, and obviously the ones up front are easy to watch, but then you have a couple of like the 1960s ones that are three hours long. And so that is kind of paused, but I did get to this one um, starring Paul Newman, Robert Redford, Robert Shaw. Um, and essentially this movie set in the 1930s. So about 40 years before it came out. And um, yeah, essentially it deals with a small time crook. And then uh, he gets in contact with the veteran con man um, and kind of starts to learn his ways. Um, really, and, and the, the plot of the movie is him seeking revenge on a crime lord um, who murdered one of his gang, you know, one of his friends in his gang. Um, and yeah, it, it was really, really good. Um, Paul Newman is is the main character, as you could assume. Paul Newman is... It's Paul Newman. Um, and, and, and yeah, I knew nothing about this movie. It was on Netflix. Um, watched it because it was a Best Picture winner. I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. Just about two hours long. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised. Um, I gave this a four and a half. Uh, it is in my top 50 as well. 41 out of 50. And uh, really, really liked it. Um, they're what just, was your what was your favorite aspect you think of the film? Why why is it so highly rated for you? I was never bored. Like I was always on my toe to the very very end. Um, and there's even a couple things, couple things that happened, and I don't want to spoil it, but a couple things that happened that I just was not expecting. A lot of this is a, a lot of the movie is kind of like, um, like surprise or I didn't see that come in or you know this guy is. Act- Mr. Yeah, stuff like that. I was just very, very impressed. Um, and I, I feel like up until the very end, I was just in this movie and intrigued. Um, and Paul's new, Paul Newman's eyes, I don't know how. Maybe this is just, na- <laughs> maybe this is just natural for him, but I've never nope. seen a man's eyes look as blue as his. Nope, nope. That's a, that is a common Paul Newman comment to make. You are not, you are not in any okay. way alone in that. In that, I promise. I was like, "Oh my <laughs> goodness, this man has just discovered the color blue." He's he's but, one of the um, he's considered one of the most handsome actors to ever walk the face of the earth. And when mm. you look at when you just look at like yeah, Paul Newman, even even older Paul Newman, and you look into his eyes, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm understanding what everybody yeah. else was seeing here in 1970, 1973. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But no, I enjoyed it. This is a 4.1 out of 5 right now. And man, it's always fun, like, discovering movies like this, like, on accident. Like, you know, because you always get references or it's in theaters and it's getting high ratings. But I love just stumbling across a movie like this, knowing nothing about it. And I'm like, I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I-, I enjoyed it. Still on Netflix, still available to watch. But I loved it. Yeah, this, this has been on my list of shame. I don't know why I haven't watched it. It's been on my watch list for years. Um I, I I have no idea why I haven't pulled the trigger, and I I didn't even know it was on Netflix. So now that I know it's on Netflix, I, I guarantee you I will be watching that before we record our next podcast tonight. Oh. Okay, well <laughs> we are talking at nine thirty, and I have to work tomorrow morning, so maybe not tonight, but <laughs> yeah, it'll fair. happen at some point. Um, all right, my my numero uno um is a movie that I would I would 
hazard a guess and say that David probably had never heard of until he saw it on my letterboxed. Um, am I correct in that or am I wrong? Have you heard of the red shoes before, David? Bro, that's in my top 10. No, I'm kidding. I've never heard of it. I haven't watched it. Uh, yeah, so a 1948 film by Americ uh, Pressburger and Michael Powell, um, who are commonly known as the Archers. They're a director team known as the Archers, who have made uh, other films, most famously um, Black Narcissus, um, also A Matter of Life and Death. Just a very well-known um, director group that was operating in the 40s at the peak of their powers. This is a movie about uh, ballet, which I don't know why. I've seen, I think, maybe two ballet movies in my life, this movie and Black Swan, um, and both of them I've given five stars. So maybe I should just go see ballet. Like, maybe this is just a sign that I'm like a ballet guy. Did this movie walk so Black Swan could run? Yeah. Or is it a completely different movie? Well, it's not even close in terms okay. of um, in terms of thematics. It's However, not, it's not they like a do, horror movie. They do the Black Swan routine because it's a very famous, obviously, ballet routine that's been performed mm-hmm. many times in this film. Um, but th- what's special about this movie is the first thing, it invented the color red. Um, if you didn't know, red didn't exist until this movie came out. This movie is hey. in color, um, okay. which was surprising in that you know a lot of movies in this time period are not made in color um there were still mostly black and white films coming out Uh, but color is obviously a central theme because the this ballet that is being created is called the red shoes which is essentially it's pretty basic story um, based on a children's book i believe where a woman puts on these red ballet shoes and then the shoes make her dance constantly until she dies essentially she's just happy stop dancing yeah well, I guess, kind of. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but the, like the colors are so vibrant in this film. It, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. Um, I don't know if that's because it's been restored to look that way. I suspect it was always beautiful to look at. And I, I was really, really enjoying it. Um, the, the first half of the movie is pretty much just about them producing this ballet this girl gets casted because she knows someone and she ends up being the star and they're they're producing it and then you have opening night um of the red shoes and it's about a 30 minute sequence of just that it's just the ballet performance no no dialogue no nothing just you're just watching ballet and when that started first of all it's mostly done in one shot in 1946 so holy crap but it's some of the best camera movement i've ever seen in my life and i was i was enthralled the entire time and i knew at that moment it was a five-star film i didn't even need to see the back half the back half didn't even have to be good but it was the ending of this is great it's it's it at its heart this is a story about a woman who has to choose between her love life and her career um Mm. and and tries to balance those two ideals in pretty much two men in her life one is the man who is in charge of the ballet and it who is promised to make her famous because she's proclaimed her only love is dance and then there's the Mm. composer for the ballet who she falls in love with so it's a love story and, and it all comes together 
um, in the end. Uh, it, beautiful, beautiful movie, just beautifully shot, narratively mm-hmm. fantastic, production-wise top tier. I, I honestly didn't expect to love this as much as I did. I really didn't. This was a movie that wow. I knew was highly rated. I watched it solely because it was on the Letterboxd top 250 and I was just looking at movies on that list that I hadn't seen yet and this was at 75 and I thought okay well this is you know a two plus hour ballet movie from the 40s like I'm sure this is mm-hmm. going to be boring but there's going to be some you know well actually this created this and that's why everybody loves it I wasn't bored a second during this film um I, wow. I just absolutely love this it, it was instant instant top 10 movie of all time for me might continue to pop up those lists I plan on watching it again soon Well, hearing you talk about it, this almost makes me think of like your reaction to Scene in the Rain, like one you did not expect to enjoy and like, boom, five-star movie. Yeah, it felt very similar. It's a movie that obviously Scene in the Rain is way, way more famous, right? It's it's one of the most iconic movies of of the 20th century, but it felt felt the exact same where I said, okay, I need to give this movie a shot, Um, but... I don't necessarily normally like the source material or, you know, the genre that the source material is set in, I should say, or the kind of movie that it is. I'm worried this will just be a musical. I don't want a musical. And, you know, I don't like that. But it's highly rated. I need to give it a shot. And then I was as I was watching it, I thought, oh, my gosh, where why have I waited this whole time? Yeah. So yeah. if you have more movies like this, if you're hearing me describe this and saying that this movie is like that, Send it my way. I'll probably love it because apparently that's that's mm-hmm. my thing now. But, um, you know, I mentioned I hadn't heard of this before. As soon as I saw the poster, I, I've definitely heard of that. Like maybe just because it's such a unique poster, but I, that definitely looks familiar. I don't think I've seen it, um, but I have maybe seen that on Letterboxd or maybe um, my mom talked about it as a teacher, music teacher. I don't know, but it did seem a little familiar. But mm-hmm. uh, you said it's on HBO, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's on HBO Max gonna, right now. I'm going to have to watch that. Add it to the list. I promise. Move it to the top. Move it to the top of the list. Come See it as soon on. as you can. All right, David. Uh, that was the best movie I saw in March and maybe the best movie I've seen all year, probably. What mm. was the best movie that you saw in March? This one might be surprising. Dude. Back to the Future. <laughs> Is that surprising? I, Back to the Future is great. Well, I, I know. I just feel like it's like a the popular best. It's such a good movie, but like, is it actually like a good movie? And yeah, it is. I I realized I had never seen this from start to finish. Um, really? And yeah, I, I don't. You know, there's obviously nothing bad in this movie, so I don't know if my maybe my dad just grew up like not as much into Back to the Future. Don't know why we didn't really watch it growing up. Um, but yeah, I just recently watched one, two, and three, and. Man, this first one is just so good. Holds up to this day. Uh, made in 1985, directed by Robert Zemeckis, starring Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, um, and uh, among others. But yeah, I mean, you all know the plot. Uh, yeah, it, it's good. Really, really good. What, um, what really worked for you? Um, because a lot of these, especially the movies, science fiction movies, can have trouble with special effects, trouble aging. What what about Back to the Future worked where even this movie that's made, you know, almost 40 years ago is is still doesn't have a stain on it. I was impressed with its special effects, like in 1985, and just the idea of like you know, them 
hitting the time jump and the tires keep going, you know, and the flames follow into the store. And then, it, you know, it suits to them wherever they jumped, in this case, 1955. And, like, the car lands at the exact same spot, obviously just, you know, 30 mm-hmm. years earlier, you know, and hits the movie theaters. Like, just, like, how well it was cut together and just how good it looks still. Um, yeah, I, I was really impressed. And Christopher Lloyd, his uh, character just really works for me. Um, he's funny. I don't, you know, all the great Scott comments and the, just the, the, mm-hmm. the crazy scientist that he was, I really, really enjoyed this. And my review legitimately was like one of the best. I'm, you know, too bad. I couldn't grow up watching this more, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it worked for me. Uh, and the second one worked for me is just as much and the third one, not as much, but still enjoy it. But, uh, you know, I, when people say this is one of the greatest films and one of the most iconic films ever made, like I can see it now because I really, really enjoyed it. I don't know that there is a better, a better just story device to end a movie than that. They have to exactly when the time, the ending exactly to jump back into 1985 with the, um, lightning, flash and you know so there's so much tension in that moment that everything has to be timed perfectly i think that might be the best way to end a movie ever because because you're Mm -hmm. ratcheted up completely you know that it's going to work right because it's it's a it's back to the future first of all you might have probably seen it before but even if you haven't like you know that this is one of those films where you're going to get a happy ending right but you're still just on the edge of your seat the whole time i think it's zemeckis's best movie easily um Mm -hmm. i say that as a person who's not not low on robert zemeckis but not very high. Uh, two of his most popular films, uh, Forrest Gump and The Polar Express, don't work for me at all. Um, so there's that. But I, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. I I I remember having the same reaction you just had when I watched it for the first time. I think when I was twelve or thirteen, and it's just it's just so cool. And it also invents so many other tropes that just are constantly constantly repeated. Yeah. You know, the whole, I'm sure there was a movie about butterfly effect before and that, you know, when Marty's parents don't get together, he starts to dissolve in the photograph and stuff. Yeah. uh, Which is just great. But I had never seen that. So then like that creates the butterfly effect that's in all time travel movies now. And it's like the gold standard for this whole huge genre of film. It's just great. Yeah. Well, you asked what works for me and I mentioned special effects. That's another thing. I wonder how how do they shoot that in 1985 with the, the person disappearing on, you know, on the picture that he's holding there in one shot. I don't know. I don't know how they did it, but it worked. So yeah, yeah really, everything, really everything at back to the future looks great. You said the second one worked for you as well, but the third one, not so much. Not yeah, as the third much, one, I guess. Not as much. The third one, there's so much time traveling. So I'm trying to remember the third one kind of gets weird with like the, you're in the old West, right? That's the one. That's the one where they go way back. Yeah. The but part. then wait, Maybe I'm thinking of the second. No, no, the third, the second one. I gave it four out of five. I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, the second one's the 2015 one where they the almost Biff. correctly predicted the uh, Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. They were just a year off, yeah. which is nuts. Which is how? Yeah, how they do that, dude? How? <laughs> um. So yeah, the third one. Yeah, it it was fine. It was good. Maybe also this was like I think in two days I watched all three of these movies. So maybe if I take some time and. I'm not, I'm not burnt out. I wasn't burnt out, but you know what I mean? Maybe if I paced myself, maybe I enjoy it more, but you know, for me, it didn't 
didn't work as nearly as much. And honestly, I kind of got to the point. I was like, you almost feel like, are they running out of ideas, things to do? Um, so I am glad they at least ended it, you know, here. I didn't continue trying to make making these movies, but no, really good trilogy. I'd say as a whole, as a tying a bow on it, all three, you know, really, really good trilogy. So if, if they announced right now that there's going to be a back to the future remake, um, would would you stand outside theaters with a sign protesting? Remake or sequel or prequel? Remake. Probably. You sequel or prequel? Wait, is there? Are you are you going to hop on board for a sequel? Well, I think I wouldn't be as upset if they tried to continue something. But like, if they wanted to remake one of the greatest, most iconic movies of all time, I'd be like, what? Yeah, That's like I think this. I feel I like this is up there of like. I mean, think about Untouchable Films. You're one of your Untouchable Films. Like, if they tried to remake that, like, there's no way they're trying to remake the original Star Wars one, two, and three. Like, that would be, that would be just outright ridiculous. No. Or you know, so I have good news though. They're re-releasing Return of the Jedi in theaters at the end of this month for its 40th anniversary. So if you'd like to go watch Return hey. of the Jedi in theaters, also you have to convince me right now why i shouldn't spend four and a half hours friday night watching return of the king in theaters a movie that i have seen probably 13 or 14 times in my life because they're re-releasing that in theaters as well have you ever seen it in theaters though no so i think i should go but also i'm supposed to have plans on friday night but is sitting alone for four and a half hours in a cape Girardeau movie theater better than hanging out with friends I mean, is it? Am I a bad person if I say it's it's a tough decision for me? It's close. I mean, it is one of your favorite movies of all time. Yeah. If it was Two Towers, I don't think I'd hesitate. Um, I I am worried about the 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 pee break part of Return of the King, though. That's here's the I thing, though. A lot you, of bladder control. You know the movie so well. You could probably find a time like, okay, I know what's going to happen here. I know yeah, this conversation. You know, how, how much of me would die inside, though? Because there's not a there's not a portion of that movie where I'm like, skip, you know, I don't. There's nothing I, I keep thinking, like, yeah. I don't know. Do I really need to see it in theaters? But the the but the charge of the Rohirrim dog, the the charge of the Rohirrim, when the, when is that whole speech going up and down the line and then they all charge into the orc army. I probably need to see that on a big screen before I die. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, you could, while Pippin and Sam are bickering about something random, you could go pee real quick. Cause like, you know, Pippin okay. just, Pippin's kind of frustrating anyway in that movie. You know, he's like you're showing your, you're showing your lack of knowledge because Pippin and Sam are only in the same place for the end of that film, but not. Oh, then am I thinking of two towers? You're, no, well, they're they're Pippin and Sam split ways at the end of Fellowship because Sam and Frodo go and deliver the ring. Pippin and Mary get taken by the Urkai, and then I, I'm That's sorry, right. I can't. <laughs> That's right. I'm the worst person on the planet right now, and I recognize that. It's okay if you want to call a drone strike on my apartment right now because I'm being a jerk. <laughs> I am just trying to place all those movies together because it's just yeah, so David, much information. Yeah, why don't you remember ex the exact order of the 12 hours worth of movie that you've seen once twice. all the way through? Twice all the way through? Yeah, and I've seen m more than a dozen times all the way through. Probably, I think, once a year for almost every year of my life. 
since I was five. So yeah. Yeah. It's impressive. Oh, shout out, shout out my guy, Brandon. He showed him to me. So I don't yeah. know. I'll ask he him. Didn't... He saw, he saw return of the King in theaters. So I'll ask him if it, if it, Ooh, I need to. what a time, what a time to be alive. You and yours. First me and mine. I'm not going to keep going. I'm not going to do it. And we did enough of it. Yeah. Guess that song. If, you're, uh, if you if you know that song, you have David's phone number, text him, and you will win a high five from David next time you see him. It's true. It's true. Oh, by the way, There Will Be Blood is eight. I put it in front of Inception and just Ooh. behind Goodwill Hunting. Better than a Nolan film? Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's so, better than Chris Nolan's third best Nolan film, correct? Are you, David, do you think you're going to be able to sleep the night before Oppenheimer? Or are you going to be like giggling from excitement the whole time? <laughs> you're just going to be I'm wide so, awake. <laughs> I'm so excited. The Oppenheimer Barbie same day ticket that I'm about to do, I'm already preparing for that to be a top five day of my life. Oh I, my I just cannot wait. Nathan, I literally cheered up during the trailer. Hans Zimmer just. The symphony hits and Killian Murphy was like, I was like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the question. What? So you're going to say I have to watch Oppenheimer first. And I've already said on this podcast that I want to watch Barbie first. I'm thinking though for emotional kind of emotional resonance though, does it make more sense for me to watch Oppenheimer first? The movie that is probably going to deal with like the sickness of the human condition and, and what it's like to be a, a father of mass destruction, you know, that's probably going to emotionally gut you and then go into Barbie, the satire about consumerism. That's going to make me laugh because Ryan Gosling doesn't know what sex is, or should I do the other way around and see the movie that's going to make me happy and I'm going to laugh and then I'm going to go into Oppenheimer and just contemplate life afterwards. That's tough. Because one, on the other hand, you're like, okay, um, start happy, right? Get my spirits up, and then we'll go into the serious film, and it gives me time to think about it that night. Mm-hmm. But you could also start heavy, and depending on how much time is in between the movie, and then it's almost like a like a it's like a palate like cleanser, like a like a yeah, mood lightener. Drink a water after on a, on a hot day, right? You're like, all right, here we go. This one's happy. Like, Let's go home and laughing. I'm gonna go to bed thinking about the fact that that they kept saying, uh, I'm going to beat you off in a Barbie film. Uh, and that would be, it'd be great. It'd be funny. You know, that's a, it's a pleasant, pleasant way to end the day. You know, I just don't know. Yeah. I think that's, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Um, but I, I know my personality and I just want to go to bed like emotional and contemplating life. So I'd like to go to bed ending on Oppenheimer. Okay. Um, so are you going to drive down to Kansas City to watch it in IMAX with me? Bro, don't tell me with a good time. I forgot <laughs> I, you'll be you, you'll be in if, Kansas City. If you're going to watch Oppenheimer, you have to watch it on the biggest screen possible. That's what Nolan demands. Come on. You got to do it. I'm probably going to be an AMC A-list member. I, I So we can get some good seats. I'll, I'll be in there, dog. Right off Barry Road? That one down there that's just massive. Probably, yeah. Oh, 
I mean, it's July. You don't have to. You don't have to set that That's in true. stone right That's now. True. But, but I, I'm just telling you that that option is going to be open because you know your boy is going to be seeing an opening weekend in IMAX. You know that's going to happen. Absolutely. So, just be there, and you can be there for Barbie too. You know, we could we just make a whole day of it. I'm gonna have to budget that out for that month. Daggum, that's gonna be like that's gonna be like forty dollars just between the those two movies. Just don't buy any popcorn. Do what I do. That's true. We'll, we'll go. We'll go watch one. We'll go get some McDonald's and free large fry in the app. We'll come back. Watch the second one. It's true, bro. They raised the price of the large drinks now. I saw. We got two, and it was like three dollars and ten cents instead of the two dollars. Obama's America. Obama's America. Is this, this is what, economy? This is what's happening? Yeah. My fellow Americans, we need to lower the price of Sprite. That's, yeah, that's ridiculous. Get the Swifties on that. You think the Swifties could lower the price of McDonald's drinks? They have, like, effectively turned everybody against Ticketmaster. All I'm saying is if Jill Biden hadn't invited both teams to the White House, probably wouldn't have gone up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is why David has always been a Burger King guy till the day he dies. Stop. I do not envy my stomach and intestines freshman year when we got the one one dollar for one nugget and ate like sixty nuggets that uh, yeah in the, the dollar dorm room. dollar nugs yeah yeah that oh were somehow goodness. worse than than frozen nug quality. It's like eating breading coated sawdust. Yeah, that was tough. Oh my goodness! No wonder I have stomach problems. It's probably that that week of Burger King of eating like a hundred and eighty nugs in one Man. week. Did we all poop weird that night? That was R.I.P. Everybody that had to share a dorm bathroom with with us collectively because that was that was tough for for them. Honestly, all right, we got to wrap this podcast up. We're talking about Burger King nuggets from yeah. 40, four years whopper, ago. Whopper, 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 Junior Devil, Triple Whopper. I hate that. I know that whole song. Let's go today, David. Yeah. Take it away. What do you want to watch? This is David and Nathan talking it up. See you later. Bye.